Untitled Podcast is a part of the Kansas Google Education Group Network and also the Mace Kansas Network. You can find more information about episodes and guests at www.untitledpc.net. Welcome to Untitled Podcast. My name is Travis True. And I'm Carol Nelson. Welcome back to another episode of Untitled Podcast. Today we have Holly Clark with us. Holly, it's good to have you with us today. I am Carol Nelson and this is... Oh, I'm Travis True. <laughs> and Holly, we're going to start you off with asking a question that um, we started a lot of our questions off with. If you would just tell our listeners your journey in education and how you ended up where you are now. So my journey is super interesting, so I'll try and keep it really short. But when um, I first started teaching, I knew that I like wanted to do be that great teacher and digital tools were just coming about. And I was like, I think we can do some stuff with this technology. So I went off to get my master's at um, Columbia University in New York. I live in California, so I had to travel a ways and go far away. But when I came back, I was teaching in the Silicon Valley. And um, in that Silicon Valley, I said to the parents at back to school night, I said, I just went and got my master's in technology and education. I'm super excited for what can happen. And I didn't realize who was like, parents were sitting in my classroom, you know, like I didn't think. And um, one of the parents came up to me afterward and tapped me on the shoulder and said, I really like what you have to say about technology. Uh, I'm going to get you a, a computer for every kid. Now, mind you, this is the 1999-2000 school year. So it's a long time away. And, and I was like, uh, you're going to give me a computer for every kid? And he's like, yeah, they'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, what? So um, they came the next day, they were actually e-machines and we had to put them on the, I, I taught in what's called a pod, they're portable, whatever classrooms. And so we had to take all of those e-machines, there were 25 of them and put them on the perimeter of the classroom so that each could have an ethernet connection because there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> and there was also no Twitter and no blogs and no anyone to help me. So, but what's most interesting about that story is that the next day they came and they showed up with like in a pallet and the guy came with the pallet and he handed me a note and the note said, uh, dear Ms. Clark, here's my contribution show the world what technology can do for education. And I was like, that's no pressure at all, <laughs> like, you know? And um, I never even took a, a picture of this note because like, I didn't have a phone in my hand at the time. I put the note in my desk drawer and I just remembered it because I would always go back and look at it. So, so I've been doing this for 22 years. And so that's how this all started. And then of course I started teaching in one-to-one -one classrooms since then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think everybody kind of, that's a really unique story, especially um, being in that part of the country where yeah. you have those kind of resources is to say, hey, deliver a pallet to this, <laughs> yeah. deliver a pallet well, of to the school. 
And when I said to the kids, we're going to go in these chat rooms and you can do your homework at night on what was called Blackboard or still is called Blackboard. But um, none of the parents were like, not my kid. My kid's not going online. All of my parents, because they were Google and Apple and there wasn't even Google yet. I guess there was Google, but there was a full company. Um, Because they were in that technology world, no one said, no, we don't want you doing this. They all came to me and said, do more, do more. And so I was in this like really unique environment that other people haven't had because most of the time, you know, we shut down YouTube, but we want you to teach digitally, you know, and I didn't have any of that. So while other people might have gotten a one-to-one classroom at the same time I did, and there's not many, I'm sure I'm one of the first for sure, but I was in this unique situation. And when I left that school, which by the way, I left the next year, I left those computers behind, which is interesting. And I went to Chicago and in Chicago, they were super tech, had all the tech. So I didn't lose my one-to-one, but I know that the IT I've been told since uh, threw a party when I left because they didn't know, you know, they were having to support these computers and they were not built or ready for that. Yeah. And it's just kind of amazing where we're at now. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, so you have written several books. Um, author, blogger, podcaster, world traveler, <laughs> um, keynote speaker. Um, where's the where's the most unique place that you've ever visited? Unique for, for a keynote. Um, hmm. So that's uh, I think the most unique keynote I've ever given was in Turkey in Istanbul. And the reason I'm choosing that one is because everyone in the audience had a a headphone on and like the United Nations or something, as I talked, it would translate. And um, I like to tell jokes and they don't really always translate to another culture and they certainly don't translate in real time. So the the laughing would be like two minutes later. And that was very interesting for me. (laughs) Uh, so we want you to come on and chat about Jamboard because you've done a lot of work recently and, um, and had some posts and other things about Google Jamboard. And, um, can you just share with our listeners, um, what Jamboard is, what makes it special and unique for the classroom? So if anyone has not used Jamboard, before it's a Google tool and you get to it by going to google.jamboard.com and there you can create a Jamboard and a Jamboard is different from slides in that a Jamboard has frames and not slides. And what I think it makes, what makes it different from having kids do slides is the movement and the way that they're able to draw. And you can't do that on Google Slides. You can't draw, you can't move ideas around. So let's say I'm going to, uh, write a story and I'm going to start with post-it notes about my story and I'm going to do the setting and I'm going to have the uh, rising action. I can move things around as needed on a Jamboard. And I think that's when you want to go to Jamboard over slides. Now I'm sort of on my own little, um, (laughs) uh, I don't know what you would call it, but what I see when I go to schools right now is um, a lot of worksheets being the questions being taken and placed on slides. And then we put a couple of bitmojis with it and maybe a couple moving animated GIFs. And um, 
that's what I, so I like to call that a worksheet with lipstick. And so I'm on this like personal thing to have people think about what else could you use other than slides? And I get a lot of pushback on that because that's where teachers are. And I honor that. If that's where you start, that's great. And I get a lot of pushback on it in terms of, will students like Google Slides? Yes, they do, because they can finish it quickly. They don't have to think. And it's check, check, check. So if your students like Google Slides and want to do Google Slides every time, there's bigger and deeper questions that we have. So going to Jamboard becomes one of those alternatives to um, that nice slide environment. I think we all like kids are collaborating. They can see each other's answers. But, but thinking about that a slide is really often text and image-based image and Jamboard is movement-based if we think about it like that. I like that. When I first learned of Jamboard, all I could think of was the, the actual board itself. And I was a little turned off, you know, yeah. because of cost and stuff. But it's way beyond yeah. that. That's one aspect of it. So tell us a little bit more. It's I mean, it's a free site to oh, use. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course, you know, and it's in it, with every Google domain. So any teacher who's at a Google school or using Google tools can use Jamboard by just, again, either going into their drive and going to the add button or typing in um, jamboard.google.com. And once you get there, then you create a board and that board comes with just one um, frame, but people, they want to call it a slide, which is okay, mm -hmm. call it a slide, I don't care, <laughs> like whatever you need to call it. And then you have to add additional ones just like you do in slides. So there's a lot of the same things happening, except for there's no toolbar quite the same at the top. So we're not doing some of those same features. The toolbars, the tools that you get are just to make the text four different sizes, but then you can stretch and pull out your, your um, text if you need to, to make it, I think it's six colors now. I don't know exactly how many, but it's not a lot. And we like to call that creative constraints we don't have too many things because they're, and it's one of the things I liked about Google Slides when it first came out over PowerPoint. PowerPoint, you can spend three hours digging into uh, all the things you can do and Slides isn't quite like that. And Jamboard even gets more constraintive, if that's even a word. So, and then in Jamboard, uh, you have this plain white screen and then over on the left-hand side, you have some tools and they're basic. They're writing, they're uh, moving your um, cursor around. If there's an image and there's my favorite and the reason I love Jamboard, there's sticky notes. <laughs> and um, you have, let's see, I, sh I should probably pull it up, but you also can bring in an image and um, that's the basic ones. Now, what I love about Jamboard is the ability to create something like a story arc. So let's think of a story arc as like almost like a triangle. So I can bring in it, bring in a shape. That's one I forgot. I can bring in a shape. So I'm going to do a triangle. And then all along the triangle, I'm going to put sticky notes as to what's the setting, what's the rising action, what's the conflict, what's the... Um, the 
like action that's decreasing. I can't think about what it's called right now. And then what's finally the resolution. And my students can move things around and change and add to those components. And then because they're in a collaborative tool like slides, um, they can see each other's work. And I really, really think that's important. Um, so when we talk about Jamboard, it can be, you can access it on any, really any device that accesses the internet. Yeah. And even iPads. So those listening that have iPads in your classroom, you there is an iPad app for Jamboard. It's got a few more tools than the desktop version <laughs> that are really cool. Yeah. Um, that I wish the desktop version had, but um, but yeah, if you have iPads in your classroom, you're not don't feel left out because you can you can still use um, you can still use Jamboard. Uh, so as we talk about the different um, you know ways you can use Jamboard in the classroom. Uh, what age is it appropriate to use? Can you, is it appropriate K-12, intermediate, middle, high school? Where, what, what's the range of appropriateness, I guess, for Jamie? <laughs> so you're asking a question I'm so happy to hear because I think every kid can use Jamboard. I don't think they're, a five-year-old in kindergarten can absolutely use this, especially with the drawing tools, especially if you have a touchscreen Chromebook, which a lot of younger kids have. The iPad, same situation. Now you can draw. You can tell a story through drawing and then have a text box over on the side. So um, I think it's appropriate for every age level. Now I want to say something that I've noticed and I don't know if you've noticed over, you know, when you're working with teachers. During the pandemic, everyone was talking about Jamboard. I, it had to be the most popular new tool that everyone was talking about. I haven't seen it used when I've walked into a class around here in San Diego. I never see anyone using it. And I think there's two things going on. I think people um, during the pandemic, thought that we did so much technology that kids need to come off the technology and do that same stuff, you know, maybe through drawing at their desk, which there needs to be some of that. Absolutely. But I think that people are not thinking about tools in terms of their pedagogical impact on learning. And so because they don't realize that pedagogical impact, and, and I think also what happened is a bunch of people got Chromebooks and they didn't get the right training. So they don't, they're not thinking about it pedagogically. So they're not thinking about Jamboard in terms of how can I use this tool to make student thinking visible? I want to know what they're thinking. I want to see it. I want them to work with each other on the thoughts that they're having right now so that they are visible not only to them at their desk on a piece of paper, but visible to everyone so we can discuss and add to the greater knowledge of our classroom. How am I using Jamboard to give every student a voice so they each have their own frame? They're doing their own take on whatever it is. And then <clears throat> how am I allowing students to share their work? Because students learn best from each other. When a student sees what someone else responded on a frame compared to their frame, um, then they think about, oh, that their response is different than mine. And they go into a state of thinking about thinking, 
or metacognition. And, and so that's when we have like, what I like to say is like mic drop moments in teaching where we're really, really using the tool to empower the process, not just using technology because I can take a worksheet and put it on to this, um, this Jamboard or slides thing that I'm doing. And I don't think that we have um, helped teachers think through that process enough yet. And that's just our goals as coaches to help people see that because Jamboard should not have been put away, <laughs> you know? And I feel like it was, I feel like it was put away. And so if you're thinking about like, okay, so uh, this sounds interesting, I'm gonna go use it. Just find an activity where students one or two, they can work together on a frame on a blank white screen, can show their learning on one of these frames. And when you're asking like, well, why wouldn't I go to slides? You want to do it where they can show movement. They can move these little um, post-it notes around to rethink something. And, and some people have even done it like four corners, but they've done four corners on a jam board. Like, what do you think now after we read this chapter? Oh, I think he's going to do this, but you can now move it as we continue reading. And you're like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. So you move it to another corner where there's another prediction. And there's such beauty in that because you have a digital copy of what every student's thinking. You um, can see where every kid is right now. You don't have to take the homework home and grade it and see where they are. Um, so, so it's just thinking like, how am I going to make student thinking visible during this class and have a digital copy of this and that students can also learn from each other. And it's not just a tool for the pandemic teaching. Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head where everyone was forced to use technology when mm -hmm. we were remote. And now when we came back, there's that feeling of we want to get back to normalcy. And so what is normal? And it's yeah. not, you know, in some cases, it not using the technology or just using using it at a very basic level, which is, which is I've seen and which is which is um it's it's sad because we did we we had an opportunity to really build and i'm not saying it's every teacher but there are you know um but it, it's too bad that those teachers who who used it didn't yep. didn't see the the benefit in in using it as much as they did during remote and i like to say and you've heard this Travis a lot because of being in the drive that we need to be digital pedagogists. And, you know, we were pedagogists before and we understand the science and, and method of learning and teaching, but now we live in a digital world and we have to understand how these digital tools empower that process. And so when we don't understand digital pedagogy, it's comfortable. I get it. I totally get it to go back to whatever it was. I, um, I do a lot of TikToks and recently I did a TikTok about a book report and um, I got a lot of pushback on my TikTok because uh, I was saying they should do it in Flipgrid, like maybe do a book review or something. 
And people were like, oh, no, we're going back to old fashioned book reports. Kids need motor skills and whatever. And I was thinking to myself, how do you possibly think that if I have a kid do a book review on Flipgrid, which they're recording themselves talking about it, or they could even do one on Jamboard. But how do you think that I don't have a writing element in that? You think I just have them go to Flipgrid and just be like, okay, here's my book review. I'm done. Good. We're good here. Like, like how do you, and, and this, and I know we're not talking about Flipgrid today, but with Flipgrid, it's so much more layered and the kids are, they're writing their book report, then they're recording, they're talking about it in Flipgrid. They can hear the mistakes. They can add images that help bring that idea to life. And it's so much more layered and rich in learning and to have people put comments that like, nope, I'm I'm going to go back to old school book report. And I'm like, wow, is that where we are? That like, you think this one dimensional writing experience is better than, than a Flipgrid experience? Like, so now I'm, I'm starting to think like, we have to help teachers understand why tools like Jamboard, Flipgrid, BookReader, whatever they are, are, um, are there to make student thinking visible, to allow them to see each other's work, to really give them a voice. And I think we have to, um, like I thought we got really far. I've been talking about this two decades, <laughs> but you know what? So what? I'll step back now then if I have to help. So. And we have several resources that we're going to provide as far as like Jamboard help support, kind of some basics and some templates. I'm curious, I, I'm hearing digital pedagogy. Do you have resources that we could also create? Oh, yeah. So if you go to hollyclark.org and you can, I'll give you some of these as well that you can post, but if you go to hollyclark.org and you just go to the little search bar at the top and you type in Jamboard, there'll be lots of ideas on how to use Jamboard, as well as the graphic organizer that says, okay, here's what I need to do. Which do I want, slides or Jamboard? Like, which am I, should I be thinking about? Um, and also things on digital pedagogy to help people just rethink what we're looking at. I wanted to say one other thing that I've really loved about Jamboard that I don't think people think about. So I don't know if you have AVID schools, but we, AVID's a big thing here. And one of the things that AVID asks kids to do is write in the margins. So I've taken in pieces of writing and downloaded it and put it into Jamboard and then had it there. And I let them use the sticky note, same thing we use when we're reading analog. And there's a highlighting tool. So they're getting those same skills, but I get to see if they're actually reading. I can't do that in analog. I can't see where they are in the reading process. I can't see what they've highlighted unless I go open their book and look at all of them. And I can't do that all the time. So I love this idea of bringing this reading, even if it's they have their own Jamboard and I'm just shared on it. They have the reading piece in there and they're highlighting and using uh, the sticky notes to show their comprehension. Um, one last question towards Jamboard for any, so I know it's a Google product. Is there anything similar to Jamboard that maybe someone who's listening is not in a Google district? Maybe they're just a, just a Microsoft district and they don't have access to 
to Jamboard. Is there anything similar that's not a Google product that can do kind of the same thing that Jamboard does? So Google has its, I mean, Microsoft has its own whiteboard in Teams. So there's always that. And I, I love um, their whiteboard product as well. There's, um, and I, because I use Jamboard, I don't use all of the other ones, but I know there's something called Whiteboard Fi. Is that right? Have you guys heard of it? I think so. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of whiteboard products out there, but they are all like you get the basic whiteboard, but you've got to pay for some premium features. And listen, they've got some really great features that you can pay for. I'm I'm a bootstrapper. <laughs> like I want that free Google or Microsoft product. And I want to do come up with the ways you can think you could use it. You know, <laughs> I don't want to pay. I pay for one tool and that's Padlet. We like free stuff for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, our last question is one that we have asked a lot of our guests and thinking of the time of teaching during COVID, um, what is something that you will take away from that time and carry and continue forward? So um, I actually taught remotely for a year and um now I'm going to be helping opening up a virtual learning academy because um, I think that some students, and this is what I take away from it, some students learn better in that environment. And to think that every student needs to be in person, I think, is doing a disservice to kids. And, I, and we even have kids, and every district has them, that have health issues, that can't go to school. We have real problems across the nation with anxiety, things like this. And so I think um, saying that there is one play way that students learn best is something that we've seen isn't true. So in my case, because I've had a one-to-one uh, -one classroom for 20 years, the pandemic was my Olympics. I've been waiting for this. Like, let me show you how this is done. You know, so like my classroom was incredible. I've never had those relationships. I, I, it was just a thing of beauty, to be honest with you. I, I wish I could teach that way all the time. And no one talked about that. Now, other classrooms weren't like that. And, and I'm not judging. That's what happened. But because I have been keeping up with tools and modern teaching, um, I was able to have a pretty successful classroom. And I would love that way of doing learning to be spread to anyone who's trying to do a virtual academy because we need to have virtual academies in every school now. And we don't need to go, okay, you're going to teach social studies, you're going to teach math, and then you're going to go sit at a screen all day and talk to the kids and do the same old teaching in this virtual academy. These are all kids who are probably struggling, who don't do well in in-person. We have to look at it differently and start with the design process, literally design thinking our way through a virtual academy with students at the table in that design process. What would a dream school look like for you? Because we can do that with virtual. Holly, thank you for coming on and talking with us about Jamboard and all the, the really cool things you can do with it. Um, so you mentioned your website, hollyclark.com. We'll get it. We'll get it right on the, yeah. on the show notes, hollyclark.org. Um, where else can people connect with you? 
Well, um, so on all the socials, um, at Holly Clark EDU, my favorite being TikTok right now because I can leave little one minute, um, have you tried this? And, you know, and I'm learning that. I would have thought that teachers who are on TikTok would be really into technology. I would I would have thought those go together. It's not the case. So it's a really fun place for me to be right now because I get to say, uh, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just get eye rolls when my daughter sees that I put up a new TikTok <laughs> video. Um, she's an eighth grader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, thanks for coming on and chatting. Um, it was great. I was I was kind of upset when you said your Turkey was your most interesting place you visited because you came yeah. across in Topeka and <laughs> I did. I did well. I there's a place I visited in Topeka, and I loved it. So and, I mean, and, it's Brown versus the Board of Education. Who could not enjoy going to that? Yeah. It um, and um, so again. Uh, Thank you for coming on and we really appreciate it. And for all the listeners, we'll um, post all the resources or as many as we can on the show notes. And um, until then, have, have a good week. See you next time. Bye everyone. Well, I wanted to give everybody an update on the MACE conference we had last week with Matt Miller. It was, um, by all reports from participants, one of the best conferences that we've had from those that have been um, to past conferences, Matt Miller was our keynote, had a great inspirational keynote message um, with wardrobe changes. He, he, he brought props, which was, um, which was interesting, but his message was absolutely one that um, uh, the, the people in the, in the auditorium at that time, needed to hear after being um, uh, through this pandemic and and um, and just looking for some inspiration. So um, we're looking at next year. Um, if you're interested, you can mark it on your calendar, March 2nd and 3rd of 2023 will be the conference, K-State University, uh, the Alumni Center in the Union is where we have that. Um, probably going to bring back the Google Bootcamp pre-conference, maybe on March 1st. You can pencil that in on your, uh, on your calendar, but use PAN for March 3rd and 2nd and 3rd next year, 2023 for MACE. And where can others find out information, Travis? Uh, we will keep, we will have our website updated with information as it becomes available. And that's mace-ks.org. And um, you can also follow us on Twitter at mace underscore ks. And then Facebook page is mace kansas. Kansas is spelled out M-A-C-E Kansas. Um, you can continue to check that, but it, we really probably won't have a whole lot of information until July. July is when we usually start getting, really getting prepared for the conference and start making some final decisions uh, right after the 4th of July. So, um, so you can start, you know, check out the website, 
follow us on Twitter, um, you know, like us on Facebook, follow our group on Facebook and you'll, you'll continue to be up to date. The, the, the one thing I do want to mention to just kind of keep in the back of your mind, write it down, whatever we provide, uh, the Mace organization provides four $500 grants for teachers. So, um, like I said, that information will come out in the fall on how you can apply for that. And that's four chances to get free money. And you just got to apply um, to buy you know, $500 to buy some sort of technology for your classroom that uh, maybe your school, you know, uh, can't provide for you or it's on your wish list and you just can't uh, get that funded. So, um, just keep that in the back of your mind that this fall we'll be sending that um, information out also about the, our mini grants. We we um, give away four or $500 grants. So um, that's that's one of the perks too of, of following us on the socials and on the website. Perfect. And I think there's probably some treasures for people that might go back and look through the hashtag from the last conference. I know I caught a couple people had posted some really good resources or notes um, from the past conference. So I'd encourage. Yeah, the hashtag, the hashtag on Twitter was uh, Mace KS22, M-A-C-E-K-S-22. That was the hashtag we used for the conference and go back. And there were quite a few really good resources posted on, on there. So um then if you want to go back even farther, uh, Mace KS20, uh, if you want to go back to the conference before, that was the hashtag before. So um, so we'll be looking for you at, at Mace KS23, March 3rd and 4th. Uh, no, March 2nd and 3rd, sorry. 2nd and 3rd, 2023, Kansas State University. Um, all that information will be on our website mace-chaos.org. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening. Bye. Have a good evening. Untitled Podcast is a part of the Kansas Google Education Group Network and also the Mace Kansas Network. You can find more information about episodes and guests at www.untitledpc.net. Welcome to Untitled Podcast. My name is Travis True. And I'm Carol Nelson.